0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, today it's uh, Bruce Springsteen's 65th birthday. And you know me, I'm a huge Springsteen fan. And uh, it's amazing. You know, growing up in New Jersey, everyone loves Springsteen. And, you know, you always get people out here in California who go, his voice sucks and all that. But it's just something about him. And I don't care what age you are, Springsteen was all part of your age. Like me growing up, I remember a kid in high school had a bootleg album of... uh, Bruce Springsteen live from the Hammersmith Odium that later got released and I remember that and I remember listening to WMMR in Philadelphia and they always would, Ed Shocky would play Bruce Springsteen live from the main line in Bryn Mawr, PA and he would play growing up and it was just an amazing time. So happy birthday to Bruce. I'm going to tell you man, if, if I could look that good at 65, the guys, the guy, the guy's got guns. I mean, I don't know he, he like, when he was younger he was like sort of a scruffy young guy. Now he's just, he's ripped and it's crazy. But I bring it up also because my, my my guest is from New
1: Jersey. My guest, David Marciano. How you doing, David? I'm doing fantastic, Steve. Thanks for having me today. You're welcome. Now, now are you a Springsteen fan? Growing oh, up in New Jersey? Oh, come on, man. Tramps like us, baby. We were born to run. See, it's it's now, now <laughs> it's so funny because people don't get it. It's like if you grew up there, it, it,
0: music was it was always on the radio and songs like people never heard of, like you know the Fever and stuff like that, and just these. Bootlegs that the, the the MMR were playing. I'm sure whatever in John New York. DeBella. Right. Oh, you remember? You remember? Did you know?
1: Okay, so so Gary Dvorkin's a friend of mine. He's from he's from Cherry Hill. And about a year after we graduated from college, he was trying to produce a television show that was going to cross over DeBella from radio to television down in Philly. And we uh, came up with this concept called uh, it was called Simply Insane. DeBella was going to just bookend the show. On a on an island underneath the Franklin Bridge, is Ben that Frank Ben Franklin Bridge, yeah, yeah, whatever that body of water is, Delaware River, yeah. And he was he was flanked by two chicks in uh, in uh, in bikinis, and he just introed and outroed the show. It was called uh, simply insane. We had a live band called Don't Drop the Soap. Uh, we did comedy skits, and uh, that was my introduction to uh, Bella and WMMR. And they had um, it was Z, was it Z one hundred was also down there.
0: I know I, I listened to MMR and I listened to uh, YSP ninety four. Yeah. But then what year was
1: this? Ooh, this was eighty four.
0: Okay, because I started doing stand up in like eighty eight at the Comedy Factory Outlet, and Debella used to hang out with uh, with hosts there, and a guy who worked for MMR named Clay Heary hmm. used to own that club. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so you're from Newark? I am. Now, now. As a kid, did you want to get into acting, or how did you end up this whole career? I mean, as a kid, what did you want to do? Did you want to be a ball player? Did you want to be... I mean, what did you want to be?
1: Well, I first wanted to be an Olympic, either downhill or giant slalom skier. Really? Yeah, that was the first thing that... That was my sort of my first love. From
0: watching it on TV, or were you a big well, skier, or...?
1: I, we skied every year. From the time I was six, uh, my mom would take us up to Vermont, and I would ski and go to ski school, and uh, I really dug it. And then, of course, the 68 Olympics... You know, you had Billy the Kid, you had uh, Jean-Claude Quillet, and then we had, I think, right after that, Franz Klammer, and I would watch these people, and I'd be like, that's what I want to do. And so I developed a style of skiing based on um, Jean-Claude Quillet's um, really kind of, um, um, it was almost like dance. Okay. Um, but I loved the speed, and I loved the GS. So I, I wanted to be an Olympic skier first, and then... You know, from that, after I, I realized that I'm not big enough to be a professional or Olympic athlete, I mean, you just got to be superhuman.
0: Right. Oh, yeah, of course.
1: Um, I just figured getting high and getting laid was probably um, more um my... My style. Your style. So, so did you, when did you decide, I mean, so did you go to college? I did. I went to Northeastern University in Boston. Okay. So you went there and what was your major? Uh, biomedical Engineering. Okay. So you go,
0: I mean, first of all, how do you pick, I mean, that's so out there. It's like, I, like me, my management, my major was business management. You know, it's like, it's like, it was always like when in doubt. Business management And I grew up in Cherry Hill So it was like either Pre-med, pre-law Which I knew I wouldn't want to do I wasn't smart enough To be a doctor And uh, lawyers I think anyone can be a lawyer If you have time If your parents have money I mean I know people And you like to read Yeah exactly But now how did you pick that major Because it's just Such a different major
1: So um, Excuse me When you're a junior You take your SATs and you take something called uh, and the APT test, which is an aptitude test. One hundred random questions, no right or wrong answers. Results come out in three professions: three professions were mathematician, architect, and actor. So I go in to see my guidance counselor. He says, "I have to tell you, this is the oddest grouping of professions I've seen. I've seen I've looked at all the students, which were 150 students, and he says I've never seen such a diversity of, uh, of, of professions." He goes, "I understand mathematician. You get all A's in math. I understand architect. He says because." Between a mathematician and this third one, which he didn't tell me what it was right away, which is creative, architect makes sense. He goes, but what can you tell me about this acting thing? I said, I don't know. He says, I can see by your transcripts you haven't taken any drama classes. I said, no. He said, "Uh, have you been in any of the plays here at school? I said, no. He said, do you know anybody in the drama department? I said, yeah, you know, there's this one guy, Tom, and let me tell you something, he is suspect. I don't know what's wrong with Tom, but I want no part of it. So we figured it was a fluke. So after my freshman year as a biomedical engineer, I had a 1.6. I had 28 out of a possible 48 credits. I was on academic probation, and I was on the dean's list. The dean has two lists. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So after failing out of that, um, I tried economics because I was good at math. I tried accounting. And after my sophomore year, I was pretty much done with college. And I called my mom and I said, look, you're throwing good money after bad. Let me just come home. She says, you're not coming home. I don't care what you do, but you're going to get a degree because people with degrees do better than in general, do better than people who don't. I said, well, there's nothing else for us to study here. She goes, what was the remember that aptitude test? What were the three professions? She said, why don't you take an acting class? One semester, I took accounting two, statistics two, acting one, stage and body movement one, and I knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life.
0: So you did it, and now that you get involved in the plays, once you got involved in the school, did you, it must have been weird for you, because you, you, most people at least been on stage like once, but you were a junior in college, mm-hmm. and so you just decide, I mean, I, it's cool, but it, was, it must have been weird for you to get on stage for the first time, I and mean, you must have been nervous, but must have loved it.
1: Yes. Uh, you know, I was always, on, I jump in with two feet. You know what I mean? Somebody says, hey, you want to try this? Yeah, I jump in with two feet. I'm, I'm, I don't dip my toe, you know? Um, so I jumped right in. I was horrible because you've got to remember, these kids who were in the drama department also, and the name of the company was called The Silver Mask. They had been acting since they were in single digits, right? So um, I was probably the freshest and the, the greenest and probably the worst actor in that company when I started out. And there were 23 kids in that uh, in that program. So you,
0: you start pounding it out. So you, you graduate, and so your degree is in acting then?
1: Well, you what? know, um, at the time, the, at Northeast University, the, it was one department. Drama and speech communications was one department. And then... In my senior year they split to either a drama degree or a degree in speech communications. And so I figured a degree in speech communications was probably had a little more weight than a degree in theater, so I concentrated on um on group and public speaking in the communications department which I got a degree in and I could have gotten a, gr- a, d- a degree in drama also. I was just one course short of that. But I didn't care. I wanted to be an actor and I knew I was going to go to New York or LA and become an actor and live my life as an actor, either driving a cab or attending bar or waiting tables, doing whatever it is to put, you know, a roof over my head and food in my belly. But I was going to be an actor, you know, till I gave myself till I was 40. I said, if I didn't make it by the time I was 40, I'd go get a job in some corporation and work for 20 years, 25 years, get a pension, you know, health right. insurance. and
0: you know. So when you graduated, did you decide to go straight to New York or where, where did you decide? Because, I mean, it's, it's a big, I mean, but, but New York must be good because you were from Newark. So you, you have that connection. You, you're familiar with it. Like when I moved, like me going, you know, hey, you go to Philadelphia, get a radio job. Yeah, you know that, you know, anywhere. But for, for you, did you ch- choose New York
1: first? I did because I had a place to live for free, right, with my mom. Um, I could take the bus or the train in. I'm 30 minutes outside the city. So, yeah, I tried it for six months. And I couldn't... It was it was weird. Um, I couldn't get any traction. And winter was coming. And I just spent a year in California. And I was like, mm, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go to L.A.
0: So, how you, you, just, you came to L.A. Now, where did you first move when you got here? I always ask people... Because it's so funny like, how the town has changed so much. And it's so many great stories where... People just found places and it ends up being like, it looked nice. That's the problem. Back east, you know, when you see a bad area, you know it's a bad area. You know, go, oh, that's the projects or that's here. But here it's like, oh, that looks nice. And then you sit there
1: and you look and you go, wow, there's a lot of check cashing places. Okay, I don't want to live here or there's <laughs> but, no, no but, language. But Steve, you know this. Even the bad area in L.A. is nowhere near the bad area in Newark. <laughs> exactly. That's the funny thing. Yeah, but you always, it's, but when you look, you go, now where did you first move? Well, <clears throat> I, um, I drove down from San Francisco because after Northeastern, I went to the drama studio of London at Berkeley and I spent a year in, in San Francisco. And when I got kicked out of that school, I left my car and my bed in San Francisco. And I went home, like I said, for six months and then I decided to fly back to San Francisco to get my car. And I found out that my bed had already been moved to L.A. There you go. The person I left my bed with uh, opened up an office in L.A. and is, was using my bed in her um, in her apartment. So I was like, well, that's a sign. You know, this is good news. <clears throat> um, so I packed my car up, which was an Austin Healey Sprite, which, with everything I owned. I had $2,900 in my pocket, and I drove down. I was doing stand-up comedy. I just learned how to do stand-up or was just experimenting with stand-up for about a year, and I drove right up to the improv, got a spot right in front, and I knew two... Um, actresses from the drama studio who were cocktail waitressing there okay and sure enough i'm sitting at the bar and uh who comes walking in but kathleen clark and she goes david marciano what are you doing here i said you know following the dream she said uh where are you staying? I said in my car. You know the person I was supposed to stay with stopped returning my calls about three days before I was leaving from San Doesn't Francisco. That suck? And
0: then, that, but sucks. Then it's not like cell phones. It's because then it's like cell phones. You can sit there and you know someone's there. But with a phone, you get you sit there and go. If they don't want to return a call, you don't have to, and you don't want to keep calling because of annoying
1: it. Yeah, it's nineteen eighty five. Right. You know. Then so. Now I'm really pissed because here's the guy who promised me a, a bed or or a couch for a, you know a couple of months, and then he's not returning my phone calls for whatever reason. I get off at Lankershim and Magnolia when I'm driving down from San Francisco because I don't know where the hell I am. I've never been here, and I pull up to it. There used to be a 76 station there, and I okay. pulled in and I got on the I got on the payphone and I called my friend Doug and of course got his phone machine and just ranted and raved and said you know call them all kinds of names. And how dare you leave me out here? Da, 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 da. I got to sleep in my car. And so I told Kathleen the story and she said, why don't you let me call my roommate? I'm sure it's not a problem. You can sleep on my couch for a couple of weeks. And that was in West Hollywood at basically Fairfax and Santa Monica. Because
0: that's a nice area. So, yeah. So you got, but you know, I didn't know.
1: Right. But, you know, I didn't know what West Hollywood was. Right. Exactly. You know? um, so I, I stayed there for... Two, three months, and then I moved over to Ogden and Santa Monica, then I moved to down by LACMA, Stanley and Wilshire, and then from Stanley and Wilshire I moved to Burnside and Sixth, and then from Burnside and Sixth I moved to La Jolla and Fourth. So I always lived within a half mile radius of LACMA. For and that's 27 years.
0: That's amazing, right? Because, I mean, just the moves. But yeah, people move. Like, I, I lived in Hollywood, and I lived in Westwood, and now I live in Burbank. But it's just, you go. But yeah, that's amazing that you stayed in that same area. So you're, you're, you're here. Now, what do you do? Do you go looking for an agent first? Or how do you get started in this business? Because you're, you want, you, this is your dream. You came here yeah. for this.
1: Well, um, like I said, I was uh, jumping in with two feet at stand-up comedy. So I just started showing up at open mic nights and I was getting some traction I was doing it for about six months and one day I'm at the laugh factory and it's like and now when you're first starting out they're not let, they're only letting you up on open mic night and if you get over the first hump which is Monday night at 12:30 a.m. with four people in the audience I'm sitting next to this guy and he's you know going over his routine you know and I'm looking at him and I'm like how long have you been doing this he said seven years And I looked at him and I said, no offense, man, but I don't even know who you are. And I thought, I'm doing this for a year. I got six more years to be a nobody? Right. I had already put in seven years as an actor. And I heard that an overnight success is 10 years. So I abandoned stand-up and I just focused on my acting career. And uh, I got... I moved in with a, with, a, with a gal, and she had some friends in the business, and her friend was dating this guy, John Vargas, who I was just, John Maldonado, Maldonado, he goes by John Vargas, John Maldonado. I was just on the phone with him before walking in here, and he introduced me to his commercial agent. Okay. And I showed these photos to this commercial agent. She loved them. And that's how I got my foot in the door. Isn't Doing it how?
0: Isn't it how different how photos have changed? Like back then, they're all black and white, and you needed yeah. you needed like eight by tens, and yeah. you need you had to be glossy. Like me, I mean, I go out for auditions every once in a while. I don't have. I don't have a hard copy of my headshot. No. Like, my agent, like, I went to some audition, and they said, well, where's your hard copy? I'm like, You got to be joking to me. I said, You found me in LA Casting, and they go, okay, Look up there, and they go, Well, we need a headshot. I go, Then you're you're in a crap production because no I one will, wants I headshots. I'll send
1: you my headshot right now. What's your email address? I tell them, Look, you want my headshot? What's your email address? No, the worst is they I'm go to, send LA, to them
0: right now. LA Casting. They said, their, Your picture's right. They went and saw your picture, and it's just yeah. so funny. But back then, you had to have your headshot, and you had to get the, rip, the, the repl- reproductions, and it was expensive. Well, it was so you're doing that so now now
1: you're getting commercials now what was what was the first commercial you booked do you remember oh yeah because i you know that's how i got taft hartley that's how i got my sack card it was for john paul player cigarettes it was a commercial for japan just for japan
0: did you smoke
1: i had just quit smoking that must have been hard oh it was terrible so (laughs) so i had to smoke in the commercial and after the commercial was done i was sick to my stomach because i had just quit for like three, four months and I was like, oh no, I'm finally over the hump. I finally quit. This is gonna this is gonna set off the addiction, you know. And I was sick to my stomach. I went home and I literally just laid in bed the whole rest of the night See
0: I, I gave up I was I was in the hospital with a heart condition two year two and a half years ago and I gave up uh I gave up smoking and uh it was uh if I had a cigarette now I'd probably faint. Yeah. So so you do, you get the Taft Hartley, you get you get into the commercial. So What happens next? I mean, I know you you still get more commercials. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I had a a little job delivering sound equipment to the studios. Um, And, you know, if I ever win an award, this is the guy I'm going to thank. You know, his name was um, uh, John Byers. And um, if it wasn't for Mr. Byers, you know, because that was the job that paid my rent. And it also was the job that put food on my table while I was going on auditions and the great thing about this this job was we created something called the the uh, actors program there okay and when audio rents was in New York he had one there where you would have three actors who would work for the company but two at a time right Two every day and if one of them had to go for an audition you would call the other actor up to come and fill in for you okay so we created the actors program in LA and I would call my actor friends who needed a job and I said, come on, we're gonna, you're going to go work for Audio Rents. There's going to be three of us and you're going to get to come and go on your auditions and he's going to pay you. Now, I'd get my first big job. Everybody, Which was? Uh, wise Guy.
0: Okay, I, I saw anything. Cause I love that show. That was one of those shows. And whatever happened to Ken Wall? I mean, that guy was like... Wise guy and Ray, Sh- I think Ray Sharkey was in it? He's too. dead. Yeah, he I know died. you. Would, You'll would like this. You're you're a South you're North Jersey guy. Do you remember the movie Idlemaker? Sure. I can't Ray find it on a- Netflix. And I was thinking about it the other day. And Eddie and Eddie and the Cruisers isn't on Netflix either. And I'm like My, uh, Michael Pere. Yeah, two of the
1: two of the best.
0: Movie guys, the I
1: met. You're, this is crazy. These are the two guys that I met in my first year in L.A. Really? Now how did you I know? I still know Michael. Still he, lives in, Mike.
0: he lives in he Ventura. Yeah, yeah, because my buddy's a cop in Ventura, and he used to be pull him over, pull them over no, He time. used to be neighbors. Uh, they lived in the same condo on the beach for a while. Wow! But uh, so okay. So you, you book Wise Guy. Now yeah, this yeah. was now you must have been excited because Wise Guy was a that was one of those shows. It was just it was really well done.
1: Yes. So it was well, touted to be CBS's big hit for that fall season. Um, And the crazy thing is, you know, that girl that I lived with who introduced me to this actor, how I got my commercial agent, she said, come on, a friend of mine wrote a play and Jonathan Banks is in it. And I said, who's Jonathan Banks? She said, you know, do you ever see uh, Beverly Hills Cop? He's the bad guy's right hand man. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. So we go see the play. And afterwards, everyone goes for drinks and um, I start talking to Jonathan and I tell him I'm new in town. And. You know I'm an actor. He goes, and you're in class. I said, no, I'm still looking for a class. He goes, uh, come to my class. Um, was uh, taught by Gordon Hunt, and I said, when is it? He says, uh, Tuesdays at uh, one o'clock. So we went to see the play on a Sunday night. Tuesday I show up. He goes, what are you doing here? I said, what do you mean? What am I doing here? You told me to come to class. Is he, you know the class? He goes, no. Do you know how many people I meet and I tell them to come and they never come? You're the only one who's ever come. I said, look. I didn't come here to fool around, right? I didn't come here to go swimming. I didn't come here to get laid. I didn't. I didn't come here to you know. Uh, uh, I came here to win an Academy Award, an Emmy, and a Clio. You know what I mean? So I'm game. He goes great, and um, that's how I ended up getting Wise Guy through Jonathan. Jonathan gave my name to the producers, and that's how that all started.
0: So that was your first big,
1: first big gig. Yeah. So now
0: you you, you, had a, you have a commercial.
1: You, you have the Wise Guy. You got to be feeling good about yourself. Yeah, and you're taking the classes. Yeah, and people started talking Emmy. While I'm doing The Wise Guy, people are throwing the Emmy award around. For your, I, for your role. For
0: my performance. As, as, as a guest. Yeah. So that must have been amazing because it's your first big role. First of all, it must have pissed off a bunch of other people who have been acting for a long time going, yeah. wait, what is? So you get that. So now what do you do after that? Because you, you have to have some traction and you have to have some well, juice.
1: that was CBS, right? So everybody sees this. Right? And the uh, executives at CBS see it, and uh, the head of casting, Lisa Freiberger, at CBS sees it. Now, I only have a commercial agent at the time, because right, I got this through Jonathan. Right. So my commercial agent had a theatrical department, which I auditioned for two months prior, and they turned me down. So now I get the guest lead on Wise Guy, and I figure, okay, I need somebody to negotiate it, so I throw it over to the, the theatrical department. Now they want to sign me. And now I'm thinking, oh, now you want to sign me? You just right. turned me down two months ago, but now I got the guest lead on Wise Guy. It airs, and I kill, and now you want to sign me? I said, you know what? I'm not so sure, you know, because Lisa Freiberger calls me into her office, who was the head of casting at CBS, and she says, where have you been? Why don't I know who you are? You're amazing. And I told her, I'm only in town a couple of years, blah, blah, blah. She goes, you got an agent? I said, no. She goes, I want you to introduce you to my brother over at uh, Harry Gold's, which was Gold." Uh, Gold Marshack at the time. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, right over here on uh, 3500 uh, Olive.
0: And I just remember because I, I, I wanted to get a script represented when I first moved here and you got the book. And I remember, I still remember Marshack because it reminded me of Horseshack from Welcome Back, Cotter. So I was like, all right, all right.
1: this person. He's so it's, not that far from that guy either. Exactly. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so you do that. So what happens after that? <clears throat> so no, you get the agent. So because uh, CBS rolled out the red carpet for me, the pilot season comes around and Lisa's like... We're going to get you on a pilot. And sure enough, my first pilot was for CBS and uh, Touchstone. It was called Tickets Please with uh, Cleavon Little, uh, Yardley Smith, me, Marsha Strassman. And it was on a club car on a train that was going from Manhattan, you know, to right. Up through Connecticut. And it took place on the bar car. And Cleavon Little was the bartender. And me and Yardley were the ticket takers. It was called Tickets Please. And uh, that was my first pilot uh and then from there now did you get bummed when it didn't get picked
0: up like did you sit there and go no. okay But well, you must have been happy because you got the pilot but yeah okay
1: yeah and the crazy thing is you know when you get a pilot you have to go through many hoops to get the job and you have to go to you have to go to network like that's the final uh, uh hoop you have to jump through is network now the day i'm supposed to go to network I had gotten another job on HBO, uh, Vietnam War Stories, so I couldn't go to network. So they had to send my audition tape. So my audition tape is going against two other actors who are actually in the room, and I end up getting the job. See, that must be awesome.
0: So you got that. And so now after that, I know you went on the Civil War's run, right?
1: Yes. That was the one pilot I did that went to series. The first pilot I did that went to series. And so that must have been a great feeling. Yeah, it was a Stephen Botchko show. It was huge, and so you did that because I was going to win my Emmy, right? Botchko wins Emmys in the eighties.
0: So yeah, you must, and you were supposed to win an Emmy for Wise Guys. Oh
1: well, I didn't get it, but you know, I didn't even get nominated yet. But uh, I keep, uh, I keep swinging the back.
0: So how long does that sh- series run? Two seasons, and now that must have been great because you, you know you're working. Yeah, you, you, you have a paycheck. You know, you don't have to worry about any other stuff. You have and it's series paycheck, and it's and back then, people are seeing you because back then there was only you know eight ten stations you know and, and hbo was the only cable and They had 87 different HBOs. No, I mean
1: and, and yeah abc it was on abc and you know it was a Botsco show and every, it was an industry watch show, so everybody got to see my work
0: so that could can that got canceled
1: yeah and but because of that show paul haggis saw me and wanted me for Do south which was where i became um a lead my sec i was the second lead Right.
0: Now, now, how did that, I mean, he just saw you and liked you and so they called you or did
1: you have to audition for it? Yeah, I had to audition. Work? No, I had to audition, but he, he, I, was, I was his choice, you know, and he created the show. But you still got to go to the production company and you still have to go to network to get approved. Now, Due South was more of a, was it, a com- I, I, I remember, it was more of a comedy. It's a one-hour drama with humor.
0: Okay, so was yeah. that new for you? Because the other shows, you know, and I know you were in The Last Don and stuff like that. Some,
1: I mean, you, you're doing a lot of serious, serious stuff. But Tickets, Please was a comedy. Okay, but it didn't get picked it didn't up. Didn't get picked up. And then my next pilot was called Maverick Square with uh, me and it was I was also the second lead. It was a modern day honeymooners.
0: Okay. Well, it's funny because Chickles, it's because you know, I mean, we'll get to you on being in the Shield, but you know, Chickles was just uh, like in the Shield, he's just such a badass. But then you see him like on the commish. and then there's a Seinfeld he's on where he's just like a schlub, and then you, you sit there and, and I was my girlfriend didn't watch the Shield, and I was there, and I go, you have to see him on the Shield. I go because you see him now and like in the Fantastic Four, or whatever. He just he's like this buff dude! But he was such a schlub. Was he? Now, I guess you were Art Carney, and he was Jackie Gleason. Yeah. That. yeah. But it's just so funny. I mean, at what point did he just start working out or just change? I mean, it's I like, think
1: when he got um, when he when he got the shield, he probably went into. I don't know what he looked like in the pilot, but um, maybe he started working out after the commish.
0: Maybe because he, he was,
1: wanted to he wanted to reinvent himself. Okay, so Due South that ran for a while. That ran for. Um, two, two seasons on CBS. <coughs> excuse me, and a season on TNT. So now, as these shows are running, are are people recognizing you? I mean, Because
0: yeah. and you have a very recognizable look. you, you know. You, I mean, you're not. You know, you're like me. We have our rec- we're, we're bald guys, and we have a recognizable look. Now, how do how did that? How did you react to that? Cause, you know, how
1: can you forget the schnoz? Come on. Yeah, well, no, that's not. Come on. I, I got the Cooper bump. Especially. All the guys <laughs> in the family have a bump.
0: Right. How, how, what was that like for you when you started getting recognized? Was that weird for you when people
1: would say, hey, you're that guy? Or, what was that like? It was awesome, you know, because, you, know, I, I, you know, part of the reason I was in it was for recognition. Okay. Right? Because, you know, a lot of people who go into acting um, want to be recognized um, for whatever. You know, I was an only child, um, my dad left when I was three. Um, I got very little attention, so you know, pe- you know, kids like that go into professions where you can get some attention.
0: Somebody, did you get? Did you get? I always say, what were some perks you got? Like, I have, I have people who say, you know, they've been to an airport, and people go, hey. We love you on the show. They give you first class. If you, did you any? if you've gotten any three or career, any some really good perks like did you get a better room or a suite? Yeah, nothing
1: great, but yeah, you know, I get, you get upgraded. That must make you, you feel upgrades. great, though.
0: It's just it's it's so funny. And it's how it works.
1: <laughs> well, like- I, I went. I was doing a movie of the week with Dennis Franz and Whoopi Goldberg, and we go to play golf, and they see Dennis Franz and. You know, Dennis goes to, hey, I need some balls. No, oh, here you go. Take the, here's two sleeves, Mr. Franz. He goes, okay, well, I'm going to pay for everybody. He goes, for the four of us. What do I do? Don't worry about it, Mr. Franz. Just come back. Just keep coming back. So here's a guy who, who's worth millions of dollars who can afford, you know, right. to, to pay for everybody. And they're like, no, no, let's just go free. Oh, my buddy needs clubs. Yeah, sure. Take the clubs. You it, know. It's amazing. It's a, So, so, Dew South goes off the air. So now, now you're sitting there and, now,
0: and that gave you a little bit of, you're going back a little bit into the comedy; it's lighthearted. Now, are you sitting in your career at that point? Did you say I want? Did you want to do drama? Or you, I mean, you wanted to work, or did you want to do comedy? Or you just didn't care.
1: No, I didn't. Um, I didn't really. You know, I had a list of types of roles I wanted to play. You know, I wanted to play. I think you know, AIDS was very popular. You know, back or, or popular is not the right word, but AIDS was very prevalent. Right. Back then, I wanted to play somebody with a disease who was dying. I wanted to play a priest. I wanted to play. um, Those were like the two roles that I wanted to play that were a little different than. And I wanted to get some film roles. You know, I wanted to work with Scorsese and Coppola and Chimino and uh, uh, the Scott, you know, Ridley Scott and uh, Tony, God rest his soul. You know, I wanted to work with certain people, so I had a list of people. That I wanted to work with, not so much, you know, a list of types of roles.
0: So as an actor, okay, you, you, you've, you've been working, due south, you've been working, you have a good career. How do you sit there and how do you decide how to try to attain those goals you just said? I mean, do you sit there and go, okay, it's a crapshoot? Do you call your agent and say, hey, get me an audition? How, did, how do you do that?
1: It is a crapshoot, but you do make a list and you do have creative meetings with your team. And you try to achieve those goals. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, life happens when you're planning your life. And, you know, there's a certain destiny to all of this that um, the ego doesn't want to believe. And um, things just sort of manifest themselves outside of your planning, of outside of your control or, or, or managing. Um, I've been very fortunate. You know? um, Bruno Kirby came up to me once, God rest his soul, and he said, um, man, I love your work, the roles you play and then what you bring to them. How do you choose them? And I kind of laughed and I said, I audition for everything. Right. And then these are the roles that I was, was, was gifted with. I said, he goes, yeah, but you were a series regular for Steven Bochco and Paul Haggis. And, and this is from Bruno Kirby. Shield. It was in the Godfather. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. it's like- this is like, he goes, and you're on The Shield, you know? And he, I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell
0: you. Well, you were on a show, which I loved. And, and one of these other things, I have HBO Go, and you can't find it, Mind of a Married Man. I love that show. Mike Binder was great in it. And uh, that show, I mean, it's so funny. That's one of those shows that not a lot of people saw and a lot of people should have seen, because it was just... It was so different. It was good. I mean, that must have been a fun... Because you got to work with Bobby Slayton. I did. Yeah, who Slayton's been on the show, who Slayton... When he's on the show, I just say, just talk. Yeah, hey, he's a Bobby. Slayer. Hey, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. And he's one of the funniest guys. Yeah, great voice. That yeah. looked like it'd be a great... Uh, a, but it was probably a very fun show to work on.
1: You know, it wasn't as fun to work on as it could, should have been or could have been. You know, there was a lot of pressure on Mike. You know, when you're the star of the show and you're the showrunner and you're also directing... You know, it's serious. You know, you're juggling so much that it's um, not as fun as if you're just wearing one hat. When you're wearing three hats, bro, it, 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 it's serious business because, you know, you got to focus on three different things. Right. You can't joke around, there's no joking around. So you did that,
0: and that was a venture back into comedy.
1: Yeah, but they wouldn't let me fly. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You cannot be funnier than the star of the show in a comedy, so they wouldn't let me fly.
0: And plus, they had Slayton as the the, like every once in a while, his funny. So it's crazy. So you're doing that. You're doing the comedies now. Now then, what do you do? That show gets done. You know, you're getting a lot of spots. I see like CSI and NCIS and stuff like that, which is which must be great. But is it is it sometimes do you when you're leaving a a, an episodical when you do a guest star, is it? Are you sad sometimes when you leave because you're like you're used to being involved in a series where you like do South, even though it ran for two seasons. And you know, Judging Amy, get a few you know seven, what seven eight episodes eight on. Episodes, yeah. But so you, they know you now. Judging Amy was that a recurring that was planned or did did you sit there and because I hear so many times actors say they went in once and they came out and then they got a call a few weeks later yeah. and they say yeah. and then. They go, next thing you know, I'm coming on once every you know, year. Is that what happened with that show?
1: Mm, I think they, they, they have an idea. And it depends on how well you mesh with the rest of the cast, whether or not they're going to expand on that role. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. That would be a good question for uh, Barbara, uh, Barbara Hall, who created Judging Amy, who has a new show on CBS called Madam Secretary. Katia uh, Leone. Yeah, yeah, it
0: was what premiered the other night.
1: Yeah, and she was also on the season three of The Shield. She was one of the writers. Okay, so
0: I, I love The Shield. Now, now you're working. You're doing. I'm sorry, things.
1: season three of Homeland.
0: Okay, which I love that show too. Yeah. Yeah. There are two of my, I mean, I love both those shows. The Shield. Someone turned me onto it. I still remember like the last season. The 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 guy. No, it was, no, it, was it was the second season. And this video store, 2020, here in Burbank. There was I I I, I missed the first. Someone gave me like the. Whatever. It was one of the seasons and I kept going back to the video store and that final thing was that was the last two episodes and behind the scenes was never there. And I'm sitting there going, I'm, I'm, I'm going, you got to be joking me. Do you have a guy's number? I've been coming back for a week and they go, well, we don't know. I'm like, you you got to be joking me because I'm, I'm Jones and I, it was one of those shows where you'd sit there and you'd be up and the eyes caught up from the beginning. You would sit there and you would stay up and you would sit there and want to watch it. And finally... They had it, and I saw it. It was great, but now oh,
1: somebody—they oh, were always renting it out. Probably, no, there was one guy who just like held on to it for like two oh, weeks because well, he was watching it over and over I, again. Was only two episodes, yeah, but, he, but that's how good they are. You, I know those last two episodes are, are, are probably the best two episodes of Top.
0: <coughs> this was season two or three because oh, I, I, I watched okay. the other ones live. Oh. I got caught up. So now you are now when you do you audition for the Shield? Now you were yeah. on what season?
1: Uh, season four. I, okay. I started with Glenn. Ready for this season four? Uh, five actors come in, new actors, Glenn Close, Alex O'Loughlin, Michael Pena, Anthony Anderson, and David Marciano.
0: See, that's amazing because that show was so good and, and uh, I heard the cast was great because Reed Diamond was on the show and he said yeah. he had came from Homicide where it was like, high, strong, you know, and he thinks that's what it is. These guys were out drinking this, they never got out of character and he said he went onto the shield and he's like, everyone was so nice and, and yeah. so, but you, had, you had known Chickliss though.
1: I had known Chickless, right? I had worked with him before. Sean Ryan, you know how I got that job? That's all I got on Sean Ryan's kids and my kids were going to the same school. And I was in a big lull in my career. And it was a private school. And I could no longer afford to send two children to private school. So I went in to see the, the um, headmaster. And I said, you know, I, I can't afford to send both my kids. They've been here for years. And, you know, I'm a good, you know. He said they made a deal with me. They gave me two for one. But I had to give back to the school, so I became the campus gardener. So now, every morning, I drop my kids off at school, I put on the Hollywood Schoolhouse t-shirt, and I'm digging in the garden, and I'm planting trees and flowers, and I'm tilling the soil, and, you know, I'm trimming trees, and I'm doing all this stuff, and Sean Ryan sees me, and he's like, "Uh, love your work, man. I said, oh, thanks, bro. He goes, I'm thinking about you. This is season two of The Shield. All of season 2 goes by, nothing. Season 3. Hey Sean, hey Davey, thinking about you. I'm thinking I got something for you. I don't know yet, but I'm thinking. I said, "Oh, I really appreciate it, you know." Blah, blah, blah. Season 4, I see him and he goes, "I got it. I'm calling your agent. We're going to have you come in." And I came in, and it was a guest star, and you have no idea, you know, whether is this, you know, I, f- I fit right in. Everyone was great. Um, next thing you know, I did like eight episodes in season four. They made me a series regular in season five and there you had it. Now, what was it like? Cause,
0: cause you're a, you're still, you're a jerk on, on the shield. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, that's like Homeland. You're a nice guy, yeah. but on the, on the shield, you're, you're pretty much a jerk. Did yeah. you, did you, did you, did you like playing a jerk? Cause oh. due South, I mean, you, you always, you know, you probably play pretty much a nice guy a lot. I mean, yeah. you know, cause you're, 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 you're an affable guy. You got the smile, you know, you, you're not, you know, and I could see you, as you say, playing a priest or something like that, yeah, I could see that or detective, you know, you, you have that look, but now what was it like? Was it great to be a jerk? Cause it's gotta be one of those things where you go, God, everyone's going to hate me because everyone loved that. Those guys, even though those guys, I mean, we, I always talk about how like Breaking Bad and uh, Mad Men, they make the, the lead is when you look at it is sort of despicable. Well Chickless was that before then because he was I mean, you love the guy, but he was he well, was Well you not have a to remember,
1: comp. you know, a lot of people um I don't know if they're aware of this, but you don't have to shield Well here's the history of the one hour drama. Okay. So here we are in the fifties and sixties and seventies, you got episodic one hour dramas, meaning that each episode is self contained beginning, middle, and end, none of the story carries over into the next episode until Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues is the first one-hour drama which became serialized, where you're carrying storylines over into the next episode. Then That's a game changer. The next game changer is NYPD Blue because of sexuality and uh, language. It's the next game changer. Then the next game changer, up to this point, the next game changer is The Sopranos, is our first anti-hero lead character because up to that point everybody on network the cops captured the criminal they played by the rules and they put him away. The lawyers d- who they defended they got him off or they you know put the bad guy away. The doctors saw every, every, every illness was cured until Tony Soprano. Tony Soprano was the first bad guy who was your, lead, your first black hat bad guy. Everybody else wore a white hat up right. until that point. Now, because of The Sopranos, you have The Shield, and The Shield is the next game changer. And that's what, because of The Shield, you have every other show today. Because of The Shield, you have Breaking Bad. Because of The Shield, you had Rescue Me. Because of The Shield, you had Nip Tuck. You had Mad Men. You have everything you're seeing today. And we're waiting for the next game changer. Yeah, I mean,
0: but what was it like being part of that? Did you know? I mean, when you got on it, did you just sit there and go, wow, I'm part of something special? Because yes. the thing about The Shield is people who watched it loved it. I mean, you know, I remember I would sit there, I would hit happy hour with my buddies, and I knew it when it was on. I'd sit there I go, what are you doing? This-? I go, no, man, I, I got to get home. I got to watch The Shield. They go, oh, come on, man, there's a game. And I go, no, I got to watch The Shield because I, wanna- I don't want anyone to tell me about it, what happened. So, I mean, it must have been a great feeling for you to be involved in
1: such a. Uh, a- changing show I mean it must have been amazing yeah well it also created a network it put FX on right. the map it branded FX um, yeah but what was great about it also for me Do South ended which was a, I was, was, was a series regular Due South ended for me in 96 and I'm not on the shield until 2004 so I had 8 years of a lull And all the money now. When I came back from due South, I had a half a million dollars in the bank. Liquid. By the time I start the Shield, I'm sixty thousand in debt.
0: It's amazing. I mean, it's just and I'm and
1: I'm and I'm I'm making deals with my kids' school in order to keep them in school. So the Shield
0: for you, it's not only was a game changer for TV, it was a game changer for you.
1: Yeah, got me back in the game. Yeah, so got you back in
0: the game. So now you know when the shield's done. When you, you now you got. I, 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 did you get killed off or did you get rid of? No, you. you what happened? Because I, I, I haven't watched it for years. You
1: just. Um, I sued. I sued the. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I sued the. Uh, I got off. I got a settlement. Um, I didn't get a settlement. They basically told me they were gonna. You know. Uh, uh,
0: Early retirement or, or squeeze just, you out?
1: Just yeah, you better you know take your. You're going to lose your pension if you. We're going to just you'll you'll end up with nothing if you continue this lawsuit. So I had to acquiesce and I left my tail between my legs and took my pension and you
0: know. Now did people act different to you? Because it's like Louis, Louis Lombardi was on and he said how like on the Sopranos because he arrested Tony. Everyone hated him. Like he'd walk and he'd be like Ugh! like they loved him in twenty and twenty four. Like oh we love you, but then they see him in that and they go oh we hate you you know you you rat and he's like how am i a rat i'm a oh cop did people sit there not like you because you you were sort of a i mean but they loved me they loved not to like me okay <clears throat> but they you know like, I mean? people in public though but they come up and go ah uh, you know because you know how people think that stuff's my, from real my,
1: my svu i don't know if you saw my episode of svu where i play this rapist okay that's the one where and that was just back in uh 2013 of february People hated me. Okay, I still really, hate, really, 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 hated me.
0: Now did people like see you and make comments to you, or I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, uh,
1: so that must spit they out. say I wanted to, sp- I want to spit on you right now. And You're it, so awful. And you you tell them I'm an actor, that's, yeah. that's a thing. You're just a creep. You're so creepy.
0: So I got Before we're going we're to talk about homeland, but I want to talk about your cooking because I've seen your pictures and I think someone posted you made lamb
1: or veal. And do you, do you make veal? I do, but I mainly make my leg of lamb is um, pretty special. Are, are you a big lamb? How did you become Home a lamb? How did you become a big lamb fan? I just grew up in an Italian American home and you know every Easter we'd have lamb.
0: See it's it's so funny cuz like when my girl when I go back like Easter on the on a brunch or uh, you have the uh the egg egg bread or something like that. Now did you just become a cook I mean, cooking just from growing up or how did you end up learning how to become so a So Northeastern
1: cook? Northeastern was a well, Northeastern was the birthplace of many things for me my acting career and also my cooking career. Um so my freshman year I'm in the dorm and I grew up in an Italian-American neighborhood, and I'm eating the best food in the world. My mom's a great cook. My dad's a great cook. Um, two of my, my, my uncle owns a restaurant. My cousin owns restaurants. You know, the chef, is all in the family. And so I go to Northeast University, and I'm in the dorm, and I'm eating steamer tray food. I'm eating cafeteria food, and I'm dying, you know, because I can't get a good, I, could, I can't get a good bowl of pasta. I can't get a good steak. I can't get, I don't have the kind of money, you know, to buy that stuff. So if it wasn't for pizzerias and McDonald's, I think I would have starved to death. So, I come home from school, winter break, and relatives are saying, so how do you like college? I go, yeah, you know, it's all right. I'm just struggling, and I don't think I'm going to go back. They go, you're not going to go back? Why? I said, I can't eat the food. <laughs> That's no reason not right. to go back to college. I'm like, yeah, maybe for you, because you're still living here, eating right. the best food in the world, and I'm, I'm suffering eating, you know, I don't even know what the hell this stuff is, you know? Um, so, I said to my mom, I, you know, she said, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you an electric frying pan, I'm gonna give you a hot plate, and I'm gonna give you a uh, a toaster oven. And I'm gonna teach you the basics. And then when you go back for your sophomore year, we're gonna get you a little studio apartment with a kitchen and I'll teach you everything I know. And that's how I started cooking.
0: See, that's great. Because in college, I know, because we, we had the meal plan and we would sit there and it was awful. But then we would go, because on weekends, it was, you know, the brunch and then whatever. And we would take, we'd take a backpack and take like the cold cuts and, and bread. And then like later when you came home drunk, you'd make sandwiches. and It was great. So, so now do you, do you enjoy making a big dinner? Or do you ever, I mean, I mean, what, what, what are your favorite things to cook?
1: Um, favorite things to cook. You know, I've been cooking for so long. Um, I have this new chicken stew that I'm making that I love. Um, I like making beef stew. I like making stews. Um, my veggie lasagna. My lasagna is great. Um, I make this chicken in the oven with buttered noodles and peas and carrots and potatoes, which is just in onions, which is fantastic. Um, I'm catering a gig. As a matter of fact, I do. I do. I'm a, I'm a private chef and I don't I don't uh, market myself or advertise. It's basically friends word of mouth. And I'm doing a party of uh, fifteen on Saturday. So, like, what? what, How
0: do you come up with? Do they give you menu ideas, or do you sit there and go, okay, here's what we're gonna have, or do they say we want this, or how does it work?
1: It depends on the client, you know. Um, Some people they're not sure what they want; they just want like, well, what do you do? What do you got? And I tell them, I said, look, you know, um, here's an idea. What do you think? Oh, I love it, you know. Um, So for this for this one, I'm doing um, I'm doing crab and shrimp cocktail, doing shrimp pesto. And shrimp fried diablo to start. And then for dinner, I'm just going to do sautéed spinach. And I'm grilling um, ribeyes and New York's and salmon um, and a salad. This great, I have this great dressing. It's a uh, apple cider honey vinaigrette, avocado vinaigrette that people go crazy for. And it's that simple. And I send them the...
0: Whoa. Reverb. See that? Someone at the door. They heard the food. They, they like all this food.
1: And uh, and um, I send them the menu and I send them the price and they go, that's fantastic. We love that.
0: That's great though. It gives you. It's like it's like a hobby somewhat for you. Yes. And yet, that's a great hobby. And then, plus you're getting paid for it. You get to love it and you get paid for a hobby. It's beautiful. So okay. So now Homeland. Now yeah. Homeland is uh. So it's such a, it was one of those shows. And I'll be honest. My girlfriend started watching it. She's like, you got to watch this. And when I saw the first previews, I'm like, I don't know if it's something I'm into, you know. But she said you got to watch it. And We were in a long distance relationship, so she was back east and I was here. So I was like, all right i watch it. Because you're like, oh my God, I just saw The Home and then it's three hours different. So I go back on demand the first like four episodes and I got hooked on it. Now, how did that come about? Because I mean, and did you know that would also catch on like it did?
1: Okay. Um, so The Shield ended in 2007 and I guess this started in 2011. Right. We started filming. It was just an audition. Uh, Junie Lowry-Johnson is the casting director. She's a friend of mine. Junie uh cast me in civil wars which was my first series and junie cast me in homeland which is my current series
0: now in between homeland and this the shield were you getting bit parts or were you going auditioning? Yeah. did you not or what were you what were you doing
1: yeah guest stars you know guest stars um basically that's it you know little little bit parts here and there now does
0: that drive you crazy as an actor because you're sitting there i mean you're, you came off such a huge show and then you're sitting there going wait a second it's like
1: well, because you can't make a living today unless you're on a series as, as a television actor. I can't make a I can't make two hundred thousand dollars doing guest stars. The only way I'm going to make anywhere from two to four hundred thousand dollars, which is when you got three kids and you live in L. A., is what's kind of what you need. Right. Um, the only way you're going to do that is being a series regular on a show.
0: And how? I mean, what happened? Why, why did that change? I mean, is it like everyone says that now? It's like the, you don't come, you don't get the big guest star money anymore. It's like you get one day pay or something like that.
1: Yeah, sometimes they'll shoot everything in one day, and you've got to take a one-day one guest star rate. They don't want to pay your quotes anymore because they don't have to. Um, everyone's doing television now. When I started in the late 80s, there was no movie stars doing television. Moonvest was the guy, when he took over CBS, he started making deals with movie stars. Moonvest was the guy who brought movie stars to television because he was paying them very lucrative deals and talent deals to have them come. Because he needed to take, he, he didn't know what else to do. CBS was in the basement when he took over in 95 uh, and he said to me i i saw him you know a couple of months ago and he said to me i didn't know what else to do he figured he goes i took a shot and I, I rolled the dice and i invested all this money in uh in bringing movie stars to television and now that's the formula right you your first two leads on any tv show not any but most tv shows are either academy award emmy award tony award winning actors so when I get the homeland, guess who's pulling the guess guess who the horses are pulling the cart? Right. Claire Danes who's an award-winning actress, and Damian Lewis, who was nominated for Band of Brothers, and Mandy Patinkin.
0: Who it's so funny. I remember the first time I saw Mandy Patinkin sing because I remember him on Chicago Hope. He was that jerk, a jerk, and then you hear him singing, you go wait a second, this can't be the same guy. It's just amazing. Yeah, he's a great guy. So, so now you went and auditioned for Homeland. Yeah. Was, it, was it a recurring one
1: you knew, or how did that work? Uh, this, is a, this is a complicated little story. So um, I get the audition, and they say maybe series regular, maybe not, maybe something called a um, 10 13 or a, or a 7 13 which means they guarantee you 7 of 13 episodes, and it's a series regular. And we say, okay, that's fair. Um, I audition I get the job and they say well you know what we're restructuring you know because of Claire and Damien and Mandy the money we can't make them a series regular in the pilot we're not going to make a series regular deal but if the show gets picked up we'll make them a series regular show gets picked up they don't want to make me a series regular so now I got to make a decision you know my pride's hurt
0: yeah because they're they're sitting there they're going to do it and then they're backing out
1: right right and now this means money to me. This right. is you're, you're taking not only, not only did you mislead me. Now you're also taking money out of my pocket that I thought I was going to be right. getting. I thought I'd be at least be guaranteed, you know, seven episodes at maybe twenty or twenty five thousand. But re- recurring guest stars top a show, which is like you know seven eight thousand.
0: Big so, difference, so far, especially when you have two kids and you yeah. are very big. I mean, if you're single, you're like okay, but if you're two kids and married, it's a huge difference, right?
1: So, I went back and forth with the showrunner. You know, he 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 talked me into doing it, and I'm glad he did. Um, so, I did such a great job in season one that they made me a series regular in season two. Okay. And then in series three, they cut me back to a recurring guest star. See, that's that sucks,
0: because your character, I mean, what's well, so funny, because that show, I mean, it was so good, but it was like, you knew he was going to end up, you know dying and they have to change it but then it's like now you sit there and go wait a second it's one of those things where you sit there and you go uh
1: you know i don't know now where they shoot that at uh first three seasons were shot in charlotte
0: okay now now is it hard for you when you go away from your wife and kids i mean because i mean how long were you you well when
1: they made me a series regular in season two i had to move
0: oh so you had to move to charlotte
1: yeah so so now i asked my family i said because it's we start filming in june kids are out of school and we filmed uh, from, like, June 15th till Thanksgiving. So I said, why don't we all go? Nobody wants to go.
0: Yeah, well, you're living, and the kids are in school. and yeah, you are like, It's they're like, Charlotte, I mean, come on, yeah, you know? You
1: know, they didn't want to go. So I ended up going by myself. And I, I lived there for four months. I only, I think I came back twice.
0: So it's, so it basically, I mean... So you had, I mean, you had rented a place, and you had to find a new place, and all that stuff, just to live there. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. must have been weird, though, because it's like all of a sudden it's like the bachelor life. It's like it's just you. I mean, I mean, it's it's.
1: Well, I had befriended a guy. It's so funny. This guy, um, and he just passed away this week, uh, um, which is, was very sad for me. Um, Don Karras, Um He rolled up on me in Charlotte because uh, he had recognized me and. Uh, he said, I just want you to know that I want to welcome you to Charlotte, and, uh, you know, um, I've done a little acting myself. I said, oh, really? He says, yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, you think you can get me in that homeland? I said, you know, you're really not the right type for right. it. If we were doing maybe Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, or doing, you know, some kind of goofy comedy, I said, uh, you know, you're like a funny John Cassell, I said. He goes, I can be very serious. I said, I'm sure you can. He says, listen, um, Uh, I know you don't know nobody here. I'm going to give you my number. If you need a ride or a meal or anything, you just give me a call. Okay, little buddy. I said, okay, big buddy. Catch you later. And I'm like, great. This nut, right. So one day, I like to walk places. Now I'm tired. I walked all the way from my hotel downtown to the Target to buy some stuff. And I'm walking back and I'm thinking... This street's on an angle. I'm going to take a shortcut. So now I take this shortcut, which I think is a shortcut. Now I'm totally lost, right? And now I'm sitting. I'm so tired of walking. I've been walking for miles, and I'm, like, exhausted, and it's getting dark, and it's getting cold. And I'm thinking, do I call a cab or do I call this nut, right? So I I start searching my pockets, and I find this number, and I call him up, and I said... uh, He goes, uh, this is Don. I said, "Uh, yeah, Don, this is Dave, you know, the guy. Well, how you doing, little buddy? I said, you know, I'm I'm a little cold. I'm a little tired. He goes, what's going on? I said, you know, I'm kind of lost. He goes, well, look around. Tell me what you see. I said, you know, there's this school. I think the name of the street is this. I said, about a... A couple hundred yards back was this Italian specialty store. I "I know exactly where you are, little buddy. You sit tight. I'll be there in 11 minutes. I said, 11 minutes? He goes, maybe 12, but I think I can make it in 11. I'm like, oh, great. So this guy shows up. I get in the car, and um, he drives me to my hotel, and he says, "Uh, you want to get some lunch tomorrow? My treat. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? And uh, he ended up becoming like my best friend in Charlotte. And when I had a move there... I asked him if I could stay with him for a couple of weeks until I find an apartment. He goes, little buddy, you don't need to find an apartment. You can stay with me. I got a spare room. We'll try it for 30 days. If you don't like it, you go get yourself an apartment. I said, all right. And we got along. I tried it for 30 days. I never paid for a meal. Anytime we went out to eat, he paid for it. If I needed a ride, he he drove me where I needed to go. And I ended up staying there the whole four months with this guy.
0: That's amazing. It's so it's so funny when you meet people, especially because you because you have a celebrity status. People recognize you. You don't know what people want. You know, they sit there and they, I'm sure there's people who come up and they they act nice and then this. But this guy was just he recognized you, but he was just
1: like a nice guy, genuinely sweet spirit, giving, generous person and, who wanted nothing from me but to just. Help me, yeah. It's
0: just so I used to notice that when I would do stand up on the road, like the toll booth collectors, when you leave like Philadelphia, New York, they'd be like, uh, but when you get down south, you get into Virginia, they're like so nice, and you're like, you're sitting there, you're going, wait a second, I just went to a
1: southern hospitality, it's it's real southern hospitality. (sighs)
0: So now. So now I'm sorry about your loss and uh, you. it, uh, it's sad, but you know, it's at least, you know, you had someone in your life like that, which is great.
1: And he saved me a ton of money. Right. So, which is, it's perfect. He's, he saved me like eight to 10 grand See that? that I was able to, you know, cause if I had to find a place to live and get cable and do the whole thing, you know what I mean? And rent the car. Well, I'm glad you months. met him.
0: See, it's weird how you meet people. And sometimes you sit there and go, wow, it changes your life. It's just, it's mm-hmm. odd. Like you sit there with things like that. So, so Homeland now, so what, what season are we on now? Four. Okay, they're, they're so, filming
1: season four right now. And so you're,
0: you're now you have, are you not going to come back at all or? Mm, no, there's rumors there's, okay.
1: rumors. there's rumors. There's rumors. Um, I can tell you that my my uh, my brother, the guy who play, Maury Sterling, who plays Max,
0: the young younger kid, the yeah. not not too bright kid.
1: Right, right, right. <laughs> but bright and bright in real life, right. not bright on TV. <laughs> um, he's kind of on the spectrum. You know, um, I know he'll be back for several episodes. And there's rumors that Virgil uh, might pop up uh, towards the end of season four. Now, did you like the Virgil character? <clears throat> Love because, Virgil. Because he's just, he's nice. I mean, I, Once again, he's one of those guys, he's
0: spying on people, but you don't care. But you don't care because he's not like, you're not like a sleazy spy type guy. You just, you know what you do.
1: Well, I'm like her B. You see, the thing about Virgil, the thing about Virgil is was, was why, we, why he was so likable was because he was the only one who believed in Kerry when no one else no one else would. Um, and uh, uh, what magazine It was either a magazine or no. Huffington Post um, named Virgil in 2011 one of the top the top eleven characters on television who you would want to be your BFF. That's cool. Amy Poehler was number one. Virgil was number two.
0: You got to love that. So we have a few minutes left. Uh, So what is coming up with you now? I mean, no homeland. What any any? I mean, I see you have some different shows. You're popping up. Intelligence was that on already? Or
1: yeah, intelligence was on. I did an episode of intelligence, which was a lot of fun. Um, And I just did an episode of Castle.
0: I love Castle.
1: Yeah, we always
0: notice. I said to my, my girlfriend, it's very funny. Like over the years, Castle has gotten chubbier, and his girlfriend's gotten sexier. I'm so like, wait true. a second. I'm like, so I'm like, wait true. a second. It's like he, because you know, all the girls like, oh Castle, you know. But now I'm like, wait a second. And she seven has gotten, years later, and she has gotten like she was like a plain not She was always beautiful, yeah. but now she's like the sex pot.
1: Yeah, it's great. Now, um, and they're wonderful. I mean, I had the greatest time. Um fantastic show. I don't know when it'll be on, but we just uh, we just finished filming it uh, on uh, Friday. okay
0: now any and are any parts you're looking forward to doing coming up or uh,
1: um, I'm hoping that Virgil comes back at the end of season four, and um, you know I think season five might be the last season of homeland. Um, don't quote me on that. It's just a spec. I'm just speculating. Everyone does that.
0: That's like five seasons now. Yeah.
1: Five seasons, you know, and I think hopefully we'll, we'll be able to wrap up that relationship. Okay. Um, that's what I would like to see happen. Um, also I'm writing and producing. I have a, um, a prison drama with, um, um, Aaron Kaplan as my non writing producer, I have uh, Ethan Reif and Cy Voris as my showrunners. They created uh, Sleeper Cell. Okay. They also wrote uh, Kung Fu Panda 2, and they wrote The Robin Hood with uh, Russell Crowe, directed by Ridley Scott. Um, I have them as my showrunners. Clark Johnson, who was on Homicide. We mentioned Reed Diamond, also directed the pilot to The Shield. And he directed the pilot to Sleeper Cell with Ethan and Rife. Okay. I mean, with Ethan and Cy and he's going to direct uh, the prison show if we you know get that far.
0: No, that's that's a new thing for you uh, creating shows and writing? Is that new for you? Yeah.
1: No, I've been I've been writing and creating shows for about 15 years, but yes, this is I'm finally getting traction. I'm finally getting some um some um Notoriety, So I'm trying to get some recognition and things are starting to percolate and get into development.
0: Now, would you ever want to try to get into directing or something like that?
1: You know, I thought I would, you know, and I shadowed directors on The Shield. I shadowed directors uh, on, uh, on Civil Wars. I shadowed directors on uh, Due South. I actually had a deal to direct on Due South, but I, I never did it. And I realized after shadowing directors on The Shield that um, it's a machine and you can have fun within the the limitations of it but you're basically just trying to shoot you got to get eight pages nine pages a day you got to get them done and you got to move on and it's it's just all about making your day and it's not about art right it's Not not about art it's 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 really craft and commerce and I'm not in it for the craft and com- uh, commerce. I'm, you know, I want to make money at right. it, but I'm in it for the art of it. So I do some documentary directing.
0: I, which love, I, I love
1: Yeah, I love doing that. I've done some s- short subject do- documentaries on homelessness in in society, okay. which I really love and. Uh, I do mock commercials. I do okay. spec mock, not mock commercials, but spec commercials.
0: Cool. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I, I'm glad we got, we got to get, you know, we, I mean, we're going back and forth on a date and you're going to come on in October and then something fell out and so it worked out perfectly. And so now you're on Twitter. I am. Okay. And it's, at David Marciano uh, yes it is okay and people that's M-A-R-C-I-A-N-O correct
1: because people always spell things just wrong. like the boxer and the guest jeans guys exactly
0: so there you go wait well, I want to thank you and so people check them out on Twitter um, and that's you know it's great thank you for coming on um, people also follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk that's at Cooper Talk also if you want to listen to my show I have 295 episodes up on CooperTalk.net, or you can go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and type in one word Cooper Talk also look for me soon I'm waiting I'm waiting it's supposed to happen any week uh, iHeartRadio I'll be on their app but that will be that will just be some of my later shows like David's show will be on of course I have like seven or eight episodes starting off then and so you can do that also email me Cooper at coopertalk.net i'd like to hear from you guys every tuesday i host uh, crappy comedy at jimmy's place show starts at nine o'clock we have dollar tacos i bring a few friends it's an hour show it's in out you have three dollar paps blue ribbon ribbons so it's a good stuff and so that's about it uh keep listening go to my website coopertalk.net send me an email follow me on twitter at coopertalk remember i'm steve cooper i'm only as hip as my guests don't forget drink your water eat your vegetables take your vitamins. You guys have a safe and sound weekend. I'll talk to you guys next Tuesday.